It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening today. In the last episode, I discussed the devil's tactics. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul says three important things all of us need to understand about the devil. First, the devil is a powerful foe, certainly not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent like God, but still dangerous. The second characteristic of the devil is that he is wicked and destructive because the devil stands behind the rulers and authorities of the darkness of this world or age and the powers and forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The third thing Paul says about the devil is that he is extremely sly and crafty. Different versions of the Bible use several words to describe Satan's activity, including the words schemes, wiles, and devices. Satan is another name for the devil. The Greek word for Satan in the New Testament is translated adversary, or one who opposes. Similarly, the Greek word for devil means slanderer or accuser. For over a century now, at least in the Western world, belief in the existence of a personal devil has been on the way out. Protestant theologians generally have banished the personal devil of the Bible to the junk heap of history for broken down theories, myths, and failures. No doubt this state of affairs is exactly what the devil has been working for since it allows him to operate without being detected or opposed. Nor has he wasted his opportunities. During the past century, he is responsible for the worldwide collapse of evangelicalism in many of the older Protestant denominations. The waning of these denominations gives evidence of the effectiveness with which the devil has done his job. In these denominations, the Bible is no longer fully believed, the gospel is no longer preached, and cultish leaders spring up all the time, starting churches like the emergent slash progressive church, using the media to attract the unsuspecting. No affiliation is now the predominant religious label. 80% of young adults leave the church within two years of graduating from high school, and the population of many churches is in a nosedive. This state of affairs gives alarming evidence that the devil is a person whom churches and Christians ignore at their own peril. 
Satan is mentioned only a few times in the Old Testament. The full unveiling of Satan as a powerful evil ruler is reserved for the New Testament. The two terms, devil and Satan, are mentioned over 100 times in the New Testament. He is the tempter of all men, including the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 4. He is in violent conflict with the follower of Christ. That's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. He constantly moves across the pages of the New Testament, leaving a path of sin and destruction behind him. Parallel with the full revelation of Jesus as God's Son and the Savior of all who believe in him, is also the full exposure of Satan as man's chief enemy and seducer. Like it or not, each Christian is at war with the devil. For the devil has personally declared war on each of us. Paul urges us to learn how to fight him. He says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil in Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12. The Christian life is not a bed of roses. Rather, it is a battlefield. This first rule of success in war is know your enemy. We can only know the truth about the devil only in the light of the truth about God. Just like the Treasury Department agents recognize counterfeit bills by studying the real bills. The devil is crafty in his approach to us. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Some people have been fooled by the so-called enlightenment coming from the Prince of Darkness. After all, why would someone call the Bible stories a myth? But that just shows the susceptibility of humans to swallow hook, line, and sinker the ideas that already fits their biased point of view. For example, many people may be offended for being labeled a sinner, but the Bible clearly says, all have sinned and come short of God's glory. And there is none righteous, no, not a single one. If you ask them if they died today, where would they go? Likely they will respond that they will go to heaven. And if you ask them why, their response will be, because I am a good person. But Jesus says, only God is good. So if goodness is the standard for entrance into heaven, no human being will get to go there. But it doesn't take much to realize that is not the standard of getting into heaven. God has his own standard. And since heaven is his home, he can determine who will enter. Jesus explains, Quotes, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those that are lost. End quotes. That's found in Luke 19, verse 10. John 3, verses 17 through 19 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the unique Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Or people might respond, they can enter heaven because I do works of charity. Again, this assertion is contrary to what the Bible clearly teaches. Scripture repeatedly tells us that salvation is not a result of works. We can find this in several places. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Or people might respond, God would not send a person like me to hell. Your response should be, can you give me reasons how you came to that conclusion? Jesus gives the fundamental moral description of Satan when Jesus called him the evil one. That's found in Matthew 13, verses 19 and 38. God is described as the holy one in several places, the very embodiment of all that is good and holy. But Satan's vile character is seen in the following ways. One, Jesus said of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's found in John 8, verse 44. On the other hand, God is referred to us as the God of truth in Psalms 31, verse 5. His word is truth in John chapter 17, verse 17. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In John 14, verse 6, And if his followers continue in his word, we will know the truth. That's found in John 8, verses 31 and 32. Second, Satan is referred to as the deceiver of the whole world. The word deceit comes from the Greek word delos, which originally meant fish bait. As the fishman deceives the fish by his lures or bait, so Satan deceives and catches the unwary by his schemes. Satan deceives people about himself and his activities. The Apostle Paul, speaking of false teachers and deceitful workers, said, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. That's found in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15. Compare it with 1 John 4, verse 1, and 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 8 through 10. Third, Satan's vicious nature and character is seen in what he did to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Our first parents were created without sin. 
They enjoyed the beautiful garden and close fellowship with God. Satan, in influencing them to sin, robbed them of their innocence, peace of mind, fellowship with God, and eventually of their lives. His vicious character is seen also in the physical affliction and financial loss he caused Job and his family. That can be found in Job chapter 1, verses 11 through 22, and chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. The Apostle John writes, The one who practices sin is of the devil, because the devil has sinned from the beginning. That can be found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus said that the woman whom he had healed had been bound by Satan. That's found in Luke 3, verse 16. In the parable of the sower, Jesus explained to his disciples that the evil one snatches away what has been sown in the hearts of the unsaved, lest they believe it and escape his clutches. That's found in Matthew 13, verse 19. In the parable of the wheat and tares, Jesus reported Satan's deceptive activity when Jesus tells his disciples that after the man who sowed good seed in his field, while his men were sleeping, his enemy, Satan, came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. That's found in Matthew 13, verse 25. Peter said of Jesus that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil in Acts 10, verse 38. The Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh is said to have been a messenger of Satan to buffet him. That's in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul also said that Satan blinds the minds of people to the gospel in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4. And that Satan hinders the work of God's servants in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18. Paul advised Timothy, quotes, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive to do his will. That is found in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Lest I inadvertently glorify Satan, attribute too much to him, and erroneously persuade you that he is able to totally defeat the kingdom of God, Allow me to remind you that the Apostle Paul reassured the Corinthian church that, quotes, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it, as found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. While God has limited Satan's ability to overwhelm the Christian by sheer power, 
The Christian must also do his part in resisting temptations. The, the book of James gives a plan for defeating Satan. James suggests three steps. One, submit oneself to God's care. Two, resist the devil. Stand firm against him. We are given the promise that Satan will flee, as my dad used to say, like a scalded dog. Three, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In that nearness, we can obtain authority and strength to overcome Satan. Satan can be overcome if we resist him. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.